Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast this week. We are on uh, Matt and myself and we have another special guest. Uh, his name is Jason Lavender. Jason, give a shout out to the people. What's up guys? <laughs> Jason has been uh, newly uh, put in, in place as an elder at the district church. Um, uh, he and his wife Heidi, son Gage have been uh, with us uh, for for a couple of years. Um, it's been awesome to kind of go through a year process with Jason, but many of you who listen probably don't know much of the background of, of some of our elders. And so we're taking a chance to let the last couple of weeks, next week as well with Mark, to just kind of introduce who these guys are, what they're all about. And so we figure we would put Jason underneath the microscope today on this podcast. It's going to be fun. Matt? Big, big microscope. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking as you were saying that, uh, will we have a meet Travis one also? Or do you feel like maybe we all know enough about you? It probably too much. Okay. Probably too much out there. What we should do is we should have the other three guys come on and, and grill you and ask you questions. I'd be up for that. That would be behind, behind the scenes. Behind the, behind yeah. The really. Yeah, that, could, that, could get, that could get fun. fun. I think at some point we need to have kids come on and ask questions. We could have your kids come on and ask or tell stories about you. That would get out of control. That would get absolutely out of control. And people would, yeah, it'd be people like, would I love that. Kids in kids ministry with Travis's kids. Yeah. After I've heard some of those things, I think it would probably be more indicting on you than on the kids. Is that how it works? Bad kids, bad parents. <laughs> First question, Jason. <laughs> No, I, I actually think we should get into, uh, before we get into kind of like even your story and stuff like that, um, can you please tell everyone how much you hate soccer? Oh my gosh. So, uh, I love soccer. Uh, I'm slowly turning uh, district leadership into huge raving soccer, soccer fans, <laughs> specifically the Premier League. And so... Um, yeah, uh, Premier growing up playing League. soccer. Is that stateside or is that where are we talking? Premier about? League is in England. It's in England. Yeah, so okay. It's in England. So okay. There's soccer. Uh, I don't know if you guys knew it, but soccer is in fact the most popular sport in the world. And yet you're still calling far. it soccer and not football. <laughs> I think that's a conspiracy. I think people say that. I think soccer fans say that because they know it's not the most popular, but they just are like. Everyone else plays it, and so that's an interesting. Game. I'm not a soccer guy. That's a super interesting conspiracy, though. That's what's, interesting. So, what's your what's your team? Uh, my team's Liverpool. Okay. In the Premier League, uh, I also follow a few other clubs. So, Real Madrid. If I'm watching Spanish soccer, and of course, Sporting KC, uh, right up the road. Mm. I've heard Sporting KC games are a blast to go they to. Are, yeah, they are awesome. Yeah, I've, there's a lot of. Fun. And guess what? Everybody, uh, the World Cup will be in. The United States next in 2026. So and there's going to be some games at Arrowhead, there's right? Be Arrowhead, yep. Oh, that's cool. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, I, my plan is to go to as many games as I can. That's awesome. Dallas Le- is also hosting. Legit question. Yeah, let's go. How much sleep did you lose during the World Cup? Like, were you up in the middle of the night watching games? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Absolutely. When it so, was in when it was in Japan, the the time difference was much greater. That was in 2002. True. Literally up. At, 2 a.m. watching all the games. So wow. I just, I cannot overstate. I'm a huge soccer fan. That's so crazy. Thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, welcome to the team, and you're going to climb on board. And before too long, you're going to be like, KU basketball? What? Who cares? What is that all about? What's, Liver- what's Liverpool's rival? 
Uh, it's like Chelsea. Liverpool's rival, honestly, is the huge rival, rival is Everton. Oh. So we talked about your Everton scarf that you have. Yeah, I'm a hardcore Everton fan. So yeah, I know yeah. none of the players. So Everton is located in the city of Liverpool, so they're mm. rivals. Blue and red. That's their heated, heated rivals. Interesting. To continue down this trail, yes. let me just tell you my main issue with soccer. Okay. okay? Is it, it that you're too big to play soccer? No, you would be great. Is it? Listen. Is that when you were a kid, not, you tried to go, kick the ball? Let's not and go it, to attacks on this. You kicked Matt. the ball and it ended up way too far away, and they went, this guy's too big for soccer? <laughs> nope, that's never happened. Um, the, my, my thing with soccer is I'm watching the World Cup, and game after game after game are ending in ties. Yeah, that happened. I, it shouldn't. We're playing a professional sport here. It can't end in a tie. Just keep playing until someone wins the game. Mm-hmm. But they just are like, a tie. And then, and then somehow, Sometimes. both teams get points. You share points, yes. For ties. Yes. That is... That's how civilized just... people do things, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wins. <laughs> the barbaric nature of wanting a winner or a loser. Come on. I, so. thought, I thought we were more coming on here to like a apologetics, defense of the faith type conversation. Right. I feel like I'm defending Can you the most give... popular sport in the world right now. Can you allegorize soccer to, to <laughs> explain the gospel? No. <laughs> Jesus saves. That's, oh, that's a good answer. Jesus was a soccer player; he'd be a goalie. There okay, you go. Jesus saves. Jesus, there you okay. go. Safe. That's okay. good. Wow, that's good. There's a, there's a sermon there that'll preach. Right. That'll preach. Flesh All right, it out. We'll, we'll we'll move away from soccer. Um, we'll come back to it. And yeah, we'll yeah we'll have to we'll have to come back at some point. <laughs> but uh, Jason, tell us a little bit just about you know background and maybe even like coming to Jesus and a little of your story. Uh, faith, life, all of the above. All right, a quick version. So, uh, yeah, I grew up here in Wichita. Uh, went to North High School, played soccer all my life. No surprise. Uh, played in college. And um, <clears throat> by the time I was a freshman in college, I was a full-on raging, like, just in doing no good. <laughs> just partying way too much. <clears throat> I was deep in addiction uh, at that time, and I actually – left left school i mean i'd love yeah. soccer i love playing it and it it had overtaken my life and uh so yeah i dropped out and um yeah just bounced around man i was like just partying way too much and again just a deep addiction and really had no care uh for anybody or anything for the most part i did i didn't grow up in church per se i mean i remember on a handful of occasions going to church my dad was actually a missionary's kid and uh, you know, he'd had some significant, <clears throat> he'd had some significant trauma in his life and, you know, it parlayed into our, uh, our home where we would, we would, uh, sporadically every few years go on a church kick, <laughs> but mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had no relationship, uh, with the Lord. I had a, a fear of God. I remember having, you know, just being like fearful, uh, at moments, but nothing translated into my life and in, in an outworking of, of anything. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, fast forward, I, I was 21 years old and I found out I was going to be a dad and, hmm. um, I was just shell shocked. I mean, just hmm. totally, absolutely thunderstruck at that moment. I knew it was my, Oh crap moment. At that moment I knew I, Things had to change. Uh, I had the wherewithal, at least, to know that I had 
somebody else was going to be counting on me. And um, so, yeah, I <clears throat> through that process, um, you know, my my daughter uh, coming to uh, anyway the process with her mother and trying to do the right thing. And, you know, actually, <clears throat> we got married and uh, Jaden was born and, you know, she uh, she quickly left me uh she never and i i sobered up i i knew that the, at that moment i was you know a new game new ball game mm-hmm. everything had to change yeah she jaden's mother never got sober uh never <clears throat> never uh was a, a fundamental part of jaden's life in any significant way so i was now quickly becoming a single dad and so i was raising this little girl uh i had um, I had a small, just, uh, calling to like, I got to get into church. I, I like, and so my grandparents were at that moment, uh, or at that time we were going to Westland Christian church and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, those, Oh, Oh crap. Like you lose your bearing mo- moments of your life, those seasons of your life where there's just, you know, everything falls out from underneath you. I was like, I, I, I was like, I gotta, I gotta go to church. I need to. Something's got to change, and so yeah, I started attending Westlink uh, with Jaden as a literally one-year-old baby, and you know I started working in the nursery, and <clears throat> anyway, just coming to faith at that time, uh, you know, that was in the late '90s, and being discipled uh, by Todd Carter, and being you know asked to be plugged into ministry, and I mean, I was all in. I just mm-hmm. knew the Holy Spirit, you know, had my number, and you know, uh, came came to faith. Um, uh, accepted the Lord as my savior and was baptized and immediately just got plugged in, uh, working mm-hmm. in youth group, working in toddlers with my daughter mm-hmm. and, um, <clears throat> yeah, just complete transformation. I mean, God completely shifted my priorities and focus. I mean, much like he does with anybody. I mean, when you are without hope, things are bleak. And when you are with hope, God gives purpose and divine appointments. And so, um, yeah, just, Continued to serve there. I fast forward a few years. I met my wife Heidi, and she and I continued to serve uh, at that church, um, and then subsequently another church we were at for uh, such a long time until we arrived at the district. And you know, I've always told people, and you know, been advised and counseled, and, and continue to do so wherever you go. You just get planted and hmm. get planted, get rooted, and get to work. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's such a cool message at the end specifically. Appreciate you sharing your story, but just even the that attitude of like the the cheesy like t shirt or refrigerator magnet is like is grow where you're planted. Mm-hmm. But like there is really something significant there and in the church it's really easy for us to bounce around. So I really appreciate you saying that because that's I think that's so significant. I think so many of us need to need to grab onto that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh one of the things I've I always loved about your story is the kind of your coming to faith also paralleled with being a part like uh, in in a church and serving and leading and all those kinds of things. So when you think about being a church leader, what what like strikes a chord with your heart? Because it's not just for you. It's not just like here's an authority or a power position. It really is a, a minister, like a minister's heart, I feel like. So what what strikes a chord in your heart when you think about just being a leader at a church? You know, the, the, the local church, we're not to be consumers of the local church. 
Hmm. We're not to be, you know, just takers. Um, you know, and that's a unfortunately a prevalent thought and idea is that, you know, we're consumers. I, I, I go to this church, I take this away from it, you know, um, and just kind of, you know, we're just kind of dipping our toes in. Uh, you know, that's not scriptural <laughs> That's mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a local body of believers is a fully engaged, you know, sold out person for Jesus. And mm-hmm. so I, thankfully I understood that. I was taught that early on. It's like, you just you get in and get going mm-hmm. um and so yeah as far as leadership uh you know it's been the joy of my life to to serve uh at a few different churches uh, through my life and to um yeah just be used mm-hmm. honestly and um yeah there's nothing glamorous or glorious about it or anything but you know we didn't have a glamorous or glorious example from jesus in servant leadership either uh you know it was you know, he rode around with roughnecks and prostitutes and cleared the temple and, you know, all the above. And yeah. um, so anyway, I just, I, I love the church. I love the local church. I love the Big C church. Um, and yeah, just there's just no substitute for being a part of it. Um, and for those that, you know, don't dive in or, you know, sit on the sidelines per se, I mean, you're really missing it. You're mm-hmm. really the church needs you and you need the church Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and we're not to be consumers yeah that's a really cool perspective because i i think a lot of us when we are kind of on the outside we're familiar with the church or we bounced from a couple different churches the idea of being involved or jumping all the way in or serving or any of like the 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 full immersion Mm -hmm. not to mix Mm -hmm. terms of like baptism or whatever but like that almost seems like a burden and something that is uh, like a task. And I love the way that you're describing it as like, no, that's the blessing. Yeah. Like there's a lot of the discussions we get to have, uh, Travis and myself or Travis from the pulpit. And he, like the idea that Jesus doesn't just call us to do things because it is a task that like he wants us to do, but because he has formed us, he has made us. And this is what will draw us closer to him. Yeah. And I think that's such a profound, um, yeah, such a such a profound uh, reality. Can you can you express more like just how maybe some of the, some of the biggest lessons of the things you've learned about Jesus from the the taking the servant mentality? Yeah, so to be clear, you know, <clears throat> it's not always fun. I mean, <laughs> leadership it's, it's not always fun, but it's always significant. Hmm. Um, oftentimes, people will. Um, you know, you, you jump in. I mean, you're always encouraged, like, you know, get plugged in, get jump in. And if you have a bad experience or think, you know, things may not go perfectly, you're like, well, I'm, just, I'm not meant for that. Well, no, you're, you just go somewhere else. <laughs> you just plug in, plug in, try this over here. So it may not always be fun. It may not always be, you know, maybe even what you're really wanting to do. I mean, I, I cleaned toilets at a church for five years. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I guess I was a good toilet cleaner, so that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. But everything, I, everything that you do is has significance attached to it. And so, um, you know, again, you look at the example of Jesus. Um, you know, nothing was glamorous or glorious about any of his ministry. Uh, but every every part of his ministry obviously is marked with deep, profound significance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lives of the people around him, the, the lives that he changed. And, 
Yeah, significance. Yeah, that's a that's a baffling thing for me to think about. Is that God didn't consider anything beneath Him mm-hmm. as as a man? Wow. So uh, interesting. As I as as I was, you know, even just starting to, we were having conversations early on, getting coffee and stuff like that. I was getting to know you and Nick Wantland at the same time, mm-hmm. and. I, I here's what I love about uh, I think servant-hearted Christian leaders is discipleship is always pretty close to the vest, like it's just what we do, you know. And and, and a a Christian leader isn't one who tells you their accolades and their roles and their all this. Like when, whenever someone comes up to me, is like I've got 30 years of experience in this. I don't really weigh that as as I mean it's not it's not nothing. But when you get to know somebody, you actually start to see the fruit around them. And so I always loved like getting to know Nick while I was getting to know you because you're like a spiritual father to Nick. You know, the way that he talks about you and the way that he like leans into you. And even though like the and Nick, like as a guy, I just have just come to like love and appreciate so much. I mean, uh, it's just full of energy and life. But he's he's like following Jesus because of guys like you and and people in his life that he just like quickly used to say I need you know Jason and guys like Jason mm-hmm. in my life in order to to grow and so and and then to hear the way that you talk about Nick and others mm-hmm. like you just have kind of a spiritual father sense with 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 different with different people mm-hmm. um is there is there a uh a place in your heart for people that might have been in a situation like yours where you're like, I'm, I'm on the ground with them and working with them because you, you have like, you have a lot of fruit in, in those areas, not just like what you say, but the people who are around there, like Jason has helped me and grown me, you know, in, in huge ways. Yeah. To be fair, you know, there's a lot of people that have poured into Nick and I've been thankful to, <clears throat> walk with him for several years and many others have done the same and you know yeah he is you know he'll, he'll put you to shame on uh, evangelism and really just <laughs> like uh, hear story after story of him you know on the and job site or something and like hey get over here I gotta pray for you, you know? and rap music in a minute <clears throat> oh yeah <laughs> but um, yeah you know our lives you know our lives whether they're they're sprinkled with tremendous adversity and you know out of the gutter type stories um you know can have profound impacts on on people mine happened to be you know one laced with a lot of you know stupidity and rebellion and you know so i know i know what i've been saved from and uh, i can resonate deeply with you know guys that have similar stories or you know equal stupidity (laughs) and rebellion um so yeah having to relate uh, yeah, over the years, I've been fortunate enough. I mean, talk about Nick. I mean, you know, for one thing that I've struggled with a lot of my life is, uh, you know, over the years, Heidi and I, have we've taken in so many people into our house. I mean, just a lot of people. Um, and we have not seen a lot of significant fruit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Come to find out, we were enabling a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's been hard to see kind of the bittersweet aspect of ministry and you know pour your 
pour your life into somebody and then, you know, come to find out a year later, you know, they're just, they're gone. They're out. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and to realize that the call is, all right, well, I jump back on the horse. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I got, you know, there's, there's significant people around me that, um, the outcome is not the, the outcome is not the, uh, end all be all. Yeah. Um, you know, we're responsible to sow seeds. We're responsible to share and show the gospel. Um, and you know, if, if people, you know, fall wayward or, you know, just completely abandon, uh, the faith that you feel like you've instilled and, and, uh, helped sow into, uh, you know, Jesus says, unfortunately, uh, you know, shake the dust off your feet and just keep mm-hmm. going. Right. Yeah. That can be a tough thing to, you know, the pendulum can swing to where you're like just full of compassion and always wanting to help. And then, like you say, like getting into a mode of even enabling people. And then when you get burned a couple of times, you swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. Like mm-hmm. the doors closed, yeah. don't even come knocking, you know. You're, I'm, and so that's got to be an interesting uh, thing to I've like, been guilty of that yeah yeah I, I think I've been guilty of that too you know it's, it's you get burned out and then you're like all right I gotta I'm just protecting me and mine and yeah you know you get disillusioned with people and um, but those are the parts too where it's like Jesus Jesus becomes real where you're like all right how'd you do this where and then you start seeing him say uh, he doesn't heal every person mm-hmm. he, he's not able to touch every person yeah. um, and he's setting an example in some way to, to, to you know I, th- I think what doesn't get talked about enough sometimes we talk about all the giftings and the abilities that we've got but we don't often talk about our limits mm-hmm. and that we have limits and we, we can't we, we weren't called to do everything to, for everyone but to be that example and to build a life that is fruitful and all that and if we're going to make it the long run it's going to be with wisdom and compassion together, you know. Yeah, I mean, Jesus talks about, you know, oftentimes the role and season of our life is to have our hand on the plow. Sometimes we're sowing seeds, but, you know, it's not always that we're supposed to harvest those seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about that in people's lives, yeah, like, you know, it's been refreshing to hear some of the stories on the, the back, back end of, you know, people that we've ministered to and, you know, Heidi and I both and, you know, eventually figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, come to faith, a genuine faith of a lasting faith, but you know, we weren't there to harvest it. You know, we were there, we were there for the, uh, kicking in the teeth phase of it, (laughs) which (laughs) you get kicked in the teeth in Jesus name. It's (laughs) still feels, still hurts, but, uh, you know, it has some purpose at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, It sounds like just from your story, even as you're expressing it right now, you're, and you, I think you express it pretty explicitly, like right when you came to faith, the response that you had and the response that was like kind of offered on you was like, go and serve, go and love on people. Uh, It's kind of funny, actually, this, you can see it, people that aren't in our basement, so anyone with a headphone in. Um, I was, I have this book called Organic Discipleship that I've been I've been rereading because it's really dear to my heart. And one of the concepts that the author presses is he says basically this this mentality of as soon as you become a Christian and as you are being grounded and rooted in the faith, like it's your turn to turn around and start loving people the way that you've been loved. 
And one of the phrases, and I'll, I'll paraphrase how he, how he says it, but one of the things he says is like one of the quickest ways for us to be formed and pushed in our own discipleship and following Jesus is to try and be that voice in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. So even as you're saying, like it's the, what you're expressing in, in just a minute ago, like the language in my head is the, we follow Jesus and it's not the ends that we're always searching for. It's the means he's right. given us a path. It's a process. Yeah. So would you be able to, I'm just, I'm just thinking of maybe somebody that might be listening to this or just some faces, um, in my mind that may look and say, all right, this guy's an elder of a church, but what would you say to someone who's just following Jesus and trying to figure out how do I serve? You know, the, 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 the big thing that stands out to me in that is the, oftentimes the traditional thinking is, you know, somebody comes to faith and they're not equipped. Like they need to, they need to know the Bible more. They need to, maybe I need to take some classes. Maybe I just need to, you know, maybe grow and mature my faith. I just need to sit on the sidelines, but that's stupid. Uh, you know, <laughs> read, uh, you know, read the book of Acts. You know, you come to faith, you are now a uh, disciple maker. You are now an evangelist. You mm-hmm. So <clears throat> oftentimes I'll see people, um, you know, come to faith and just, again, just really, maybe they're not on the sidelines, maybe they're in the game, but um, not in, fully engaged. Uh, you know, if the spirit is alive within you, you, it is no longer the words coming out of the mouth aren't yours. They're the Holy Spirit inspired. And our responsibility is just to use our mouth, share, share and show the gospel. And so, you know, there's, um, you know, qualifications for maybe a lot of things, um, you know, in different areas of our life, uh, but the qualification to be a disciple maker, an evangelist, you know, somebody that can share and show the gospel is, well, you just have to be a believer and follower of Jesus, and then you show others that as well. And so, I've, you know, I see too many times, and uh, thankfully, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, when I first became a believer, I was just told to go, just go do here, go the here, yep. plug in, go. And I was all in, man. Church was open, doors were open, I was there. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I see oftentimes people just think that they're not qualified. Or I don't know how to pray right, or I don't know, you know, I don't know enough about the Bible, or, I, you know, it's awkward or where to find it. None of that matters. None of that matters. Hmm. It matters so little um, to being able to, you know, effectively communicate, you know, the salvation experience that you've had. That's it. Everybody's got a testimony. I love testimonies, man. I. I love sharing my testimony. Everybody has a testimony. It's unique to them completely. You do not need a seminary education to share your testimony. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I love what you're saying with the and the the qualification and the caveat I would throw on just from my perspective is and I assume you're you're coming from this same place is like yeah, you don't mm-hmm. need you're never going to reach a certain point where now you are qualified to be able yeah. to be like a good Christian, but also like we are pursuing being made in the image of of the Lord. And so the assumption with your love for the local church is like, it's not, you're not a lone ranger Christian. That's like, like buck the, the Bible, throw this out. No, like we're sitting in submission to one another and you go out and you share your faith and come back. And then Mm -hmm. we celebrate and correct one another and encourage one another. Yeah. 
Is that a f- just one hundred percent? Yeah. Okay. The Lone Ranger Christian mentalities. Uh, yeah, I mean, like an assassin for Jesus. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. it's not good. There's no community there, and uh, I don't know. I've talked to a lot of people that you know, house church movement started kind of blowing up, um, which I love. You know, lo- local house churches, and I love our uh, hub model. Um, you know, <laughs> well, I'm gonna go start a church it's just you know me and my kids but you know whatever we're we're a church I'm like well you need other people right first of all <laughs> uh and just because you say you want to lead doesn't mean you know somebody's following you but hmm. anyway yeah everything you're saying 100 percent. you know this lone ranger mentality but um yeah essentially again to reiterate you know once you become a believer and follower of jesus i mean our our response is and should be to get plugged in and to, you know, share and show the gospel to those around us, um, you know, without any like deep, you know, gut wrenching qualifications of, yeah. you know, and I think that's the stumbling block people, a lot of people have is, and we need to, as a church, we need to remove that. Like, <clears throat> yeah. like, Hey, you know, there's qualifications to, to shepherd. There's qualifications to, you know, administrate, you know, is there qualifications to talk to your neighbor? No, right. <laughs> Not at all. Is there qualifications to talk to some coworker or, you know, to share, you know, the gospel message with your kids effectively and repetitively? Yeah. No qualifications. Just do it. Yeah. I was telling somebody recently that one of, one of the things I think uh, that comes to mind for me is of all the people that I am, am in relationship with, is the gospel the best story in the community? Like if I go to the gym... Mm-hmm. Is the gospel the best story in that place? Or is somebody else's story of their own self-drive and whatever thing they're following? If that's better than the gospel, then maybe the gospel isn't, maybe I'm not believing the right gospel. You know, I'm like, I've like changed it or something like that. Like, I don't think any story compares to the message of Jesus saving sinners from themselves and from the separation that they have with God. And that now we can live free and we can... Uh, pursue a relationship with our Heavenly Father, we're adopted, like there's just nothing better than that. And hopefully when that gets planted into any environment, it makes people say, what is, what is it that's different about what you believe? Because you, you're not engineering your life, you're not, you don't get energy from your own stuff. And then that leads into the story of, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about his Holy Spirit. Let me tell you about my sin and his victory and all those kinds of things. So yeah, that, ha- that happens in the recovery community a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> when you talk about the message, is it? So oftentimes the recovery community, the gospel message is tied to recovery. Yeah. Okay. Well, wait. Uh, you know, you can be a sober sinner. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So the message is, you know. You may be in need of recovery. Uh, you may be in need of a community like that, but you're in need of a soul transformation. <laughs> yeah. You are a sinner at the core. You you have a sin nature and an issue that sobriety is not going to fix. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I see that a lot yeah. of times. And yeah, is it the most compelling story? The compelling story of you know the true gospel of Jesus that you know you know corrupt dying sinners <laughs> are transformed not just made new or made better polished or you know cleaned up you know we are transformed and changed yes. that's the most compelling story not some 
you know, side shoot of like, oh, offering sobriety or offering, you know, better, mm-hmm. you know, life skills or, you know, I can yeah. now get out of poverty or, yeah. you know, something like that. It's, those are all fantastic. Yeah. You know, I think that's an outflowing of a changed and transformed uh, life in Jesus. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. those are not the best story. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, even thinking like, if you have been, if if Christ has given you a new heart, if you have the love of Jesus within you, like that's to share Jesus. That is enough, right? Like so, so even Jesus Himself, when He's talking to the disciples, says like, "They will know you are mine. You will, they will know you are mine by the way you love." He doesn't say you, they will know you are mine because of uh, power solely, or because you can like raise people from the dead or anything like that or because you can like spin a convincing soliloquy like Paul gets into that in 1 Corinthians he's like the, well, I didn't come with uh, with wisdom and eloquence no I came I came preaching Christ and him crucified like this is what it's done to me and that's such an encouraging uh, sentiment I think for all of us uh, or a convicting sentiment for those of us that, that hide behind the word soliloquy that's me I don't know what that means. <clears throat> don't ask me to define it. I just used it. <laughs> but you know, yeah, like the the disciples were known. They were commented that these men had been with Jesus. Mm-hmm. They weren't known as they're all fishermen, crying yeah. out loud. But yeah. the what you know what Scripture records is that they were they were with Jesus. Yeah, everything that was going on around their lives after mm-hmm. you know the resurrection is like, oh, those guys were with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is not even a new. Te- that's not just a New Testament thing. Yeah. Like you have M- Moses coming down from the mountain, and his face is shining because he had been in the presence of God. It's yeah. not that he came down and he yeah. was like this awesome administrator. So everyone was like, "Let's follow this this Hebrew." I was that was always fascinating to me. Like the glow. Mm-hmm. You said we could diverge right on some topics. Yeah. Let's talk about that. The glow. <laughs> the glow of Moses coming down the mountain. Why do you think we love uh, fluorescent neon lights so much? <laughs> I mean, people couldn't look at them. They're like, they didn't have sunglasses. I mean, they're like blinding, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the Maybe that was the issue. They didn't have sunglasses. <laughs> well, if they had some blue blockers, it would have been fine. <laughs> or eye black. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Moses had been dead for a really long time. So, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, he seen sunlight for the first time. He probably just reflected yeah. right off the sun, you know. Yeah. So. Oh, you're talking about something different. It, no, it's a transfiguration. It, uh, I'm just joking around. It was a joke. Oh. Um, My bad, guys. Uh-huh. If you were laughing, sorry for making your laughter stop. Instead of going down that trail, let me ask this. Uh, we asked Derek a little bit just what he does even professionally. So tell us, like, what you what do you do and, and, and go into that. Uh, short answer, I just I flip houses. I uh, do fix and flip houses and real estate investment stuff. What got awesome. you into that? I was a house painter for 25 years. So that was my gig when I... My testimony picks up when I left college. I started painting <laughs> that summer with a friend of mine. <clears throat> and because, uh, you know, house painters are, you know, you don't have to be very reliable. <laughs> you can just kind of show up whenever you want. And if you get enough money, you're fine. Uh, but, yeah, I painted house. I had a painting company for a long, long, long time and had a great crew. I loved it. I, you know, I painted every day, climbed ladders and had, you know, had good customers and everything. I enjoyed it. But. In 2017, I decided to flip houses, so Heidi and I bought one at an auction, and we just started flipping mm-hmm. houses and haven't looked back. Cool. No, I don't paint anymore. You don't paint? No. 
hire I people to paint. I do, yeah. I I was really hands on for the first few years, and then finally realized like I got to drop my tool belt. I got to get like this is I can only do you know one at a time if I'm doing it this way. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we got you know good process, and now I don't wear a tool belt anymore. And even with, so with the, the discipleship mentality, you also kind of take that into your business, right? You do a lot of mentoring. There's a lot of opportunities in construction. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of opportunities <laughs> to share and show Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we've had. And that's why you're working with Brady. <clears throat> that's right. Brady. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, been, that's been great. Yeah, I mean, truth is, yeah, there's, you know, we all have our a profession or a career or, you know, that we have opportunity for. And if we think we don't, we're not looking hard enough, but hmm. I don't have to look very hard at all. <laughs> uh, it's right there. Yeah. So yeah, we've, you know, we've, we've walked through, I mean, I've uh, shared the gospel with so many people that have worked for me over the years and invited people to church. I mean, we've gone to, you know, dinner, we've celebrated births of, you know, children uh, together with you know many of our our guys that we've worked with and developed relationships with and um, had opportunities to pray for a lot of guys and you know that's even that, that's still something I, I really do struggle with I mean I you know I'll, I'll I, I know I need to press in even more um, and just be aware Heidi and I were talking about this last night actually and and you know whenever we kind of take a self-assessment our my conclusion is always usually like oh man I'm feel like I'm screwing up I just I, I know God wants to call me into deeper waters and, mm. and so I you know I think that's a challenge to me at this very moment in my life right now that I need to seize those opportunities even more um, mm. you know because yeah if somebody came running up to me and it's like hey can you pray for me I'm like oh yeah of course I could do that mm-hmm. you know but how many dozens of opportunities do I potentially have to stop what I'm doing engage in a conversation and then ask you know how are you? you know, yeah. Is there something I can help you with? Is there, you know, do you, do you know the Lord? Yeah. And I, you can't confuse. This is what I, something I did for a long time. I would confuse evangelism with or sharing the gospel with inviting people to church. Hmm. It's not really the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing because, you know, I'm yeah. sure Travis, you've heard this a lot. Like, people have, well, if I just invite them to church, and Travis will get them. Right. <laughs> Travis yeah. will take care of it. <laughs> That's not. That is not evangelism. That is not sharing the gospel. That is inviting somebody to church, which is fine. But sharing the gospel is, you know, the name of Jesus. You know, we're sinners. We're saved by grace. Your sins can be forgiven. Not, hey, district, 9 or or 11 o'clock. Yeah, Yeah. well, that is uh, so that, like, the gospel saturation conviction of of if if we're going to reach everyone in Wichita, and, and really the goal is to reach... Like, what is our goal versus what's God's goal? His goal is clearly stated to reach every man, woman, and child. And so, and to give them repeated opportunities to hear the gospel means like uh, it's going to be who is in their life that really has a, a relationship with Jesus. So, even people are like, you know, well, there's a church close to them, they, you know, they'll be able to reach them. Well, we, we're not reached through osmosis of like a church service time. We're reached when 
the gospel is shared with us and we respond to the gospel and, and that happens person to person. Mm-hmm. And so until every person in Wichita has a relationship with someone who knows and has been changed by Jesus, we're not going to reach every man, woman, and child. Right. No matter how great worship services are and how much room there is for people in worship services or not or whatever, like it's going to be through does that person know someone and have a relationship with someone who's been transformed by Jesus. Um, and, and so, yeah, absolutely. I I think, I think inviting people to church is a great step. Yeah. It's an, and it's like, Hey, it's an easy, like, Hey, would you come with me? But it's, it's not, that's not the end of the, the line. It's like, well, now can I tell you about my story? Can I tell you what Jesus has done? Um, which I think is a natural next step in that, in that process. And, something that we can all participate in yeah i think that's an an encouraging sentiment even as we're talking about who who has the capacity to go serve because you have this if we're going down this road and stop me actually don't stop me because i already started um we have like almost a, a skepticism of institutions and specifically of the church so it's becoming in a lot of ways harder and harder to convince people to come sit in a service and at the same time, while that is, is decreasing, there's a value that's mm-hmm. increasing about like authenticity and being genuine and real. And so we, we almost have authority in people's lives because of this is my story. Yeah. And you see people weaponize that in a way that is not for Jesus, but we have the same capacity to be able to take that mentality that our society has and go all right, now this is my story. This is what Jesus did to me. And mm-hmm. then draw that and then almost go, all right, now now he did this for you also. What do you want to do about it? Or what mm-hmm. are you going to do about it? And I think that's such an encouragement for people who don't know how to say soliloquy, soliloquy. prolegomena, the Greek words mm-hmm. that exist. But just like we have those tools. We yeah. have our story. Yeah, 100%. I think it's important to keep in mind, too, that it's not somebody else's job. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. We always think, well, it's somebody else's job to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's each one of our job to, yeah. you know, have conversations with people mm-hmm. and share the gospel and, you know, read, a, uh, like, the book Walk Across the Room, or I can't remember the author, but, yeah, simply, you know, you evangelize yeah. by walking across the room. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, yeah. 90% of the battle, right? Yeah. Getting yourself to do it. Um and, you know, and understanding that, you know, what what is evangelism's fear primarily? It's like, well, we don't want to be rejected. Yeah. It's like, well, once we can understand it's not, they're not rejecting us. I mean, they could be ultimately rejecting Jesus. They could be rejecting an idea. They could be rejecting, you know, any number of things, but it rarely is us. Um, right. It takes the weight off of our shoulders and, yeah. you know, allows us to, I don't know. Again, I'm preaching the choir, man, because this is, again, something I've had you know, amazing seasons in my life where, you know, just really open and sharing the gospel like every day. And then there's seasons in my life where I'm, you know, got my head down too much and I'm, I'm missing the opportunities God's putting in my way. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I do love you. You say in the, uh, we think it's other people's jobs. I've heard it in both directions where it's like people in, in the congregation saying, well, that's a pastor's job. And then I've heard of pastors saying, well, Ephesians 4, it talks about how it's my job to equip the saints to go and do ministry, so you guys go and share. And it's that everybody's job is nobody's job mm-hmm. thing. When it's like, no, in reality, it's everybody's, it's our job. Everybody, yeah. You're an ambassador for Christ. Everybody. It's your identity. Yeah. yeah. 
Man, this has been this has been good. I appreciate the the uh, conversation and um, yep. we're yeah, talking about soccer story. Again? <laughs> oh man, we are out of time. Oh, wow, that was... uh, but I was I was looking wow. forward to asking you lots of other questions. Yeah, like relegation means yeah. that they've been eliminated. That means you go to the bottom, the, the lower league. They've been relegated. You don't get the money. Um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Everybody loves that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> If everything you've learned from soccer is watching Ted Lasso, you're okay. Uh, FIFA, the video game. FIFA, yeah. That's how I learned some FIFA. soccer. FIFA. This go. has got to be so frustrating for you as a genuine yeah, right. last, last question. I mean, yeah, yeah. kind of soccer related. Okay. Are you excited for the Super Bowl? I actually am. Okay. <laughs> I'm very excited for the Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. Huge Good. Chiefs fan. Common Chiefs ground. Fan. Common ground. What if American football also adopted and took over the term soccer? Since we've already done it with football. Call it American soccer. What if? Go for it. Start a trend. Hashtag it. Whatever. Hashtag it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sweet. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah. Thanks. Good stuff, guys.